All right. We are live, and we are back with you this week here at the Biblos Network. We're excited to connect with you and join with you and talk about the great things of God. There's been so much going on. Um, it's summertime in the Pentecostal world. That is camp meeting season, and people are moving. They're moving here. They're moving there. We, uh, here in the WPF and independent world, we have our peak conference that is coming up, and if you are a young person, a young adult, and you are able to make the peak conference here in mid-July, you want to be a part of that. It's going to be great. We're looking forward to having a wonderful time there, and um, hope I hope to see you guys there. I look forward to connecting with some of the, the Biblos subscribers. But, you know, between that and summer events at the church and uh, just life, it's just a busy time. It's a good time. It's a good time to be serving God. And anybody that tells you serving God is boring or it's restricted or anything like that, they don't know what serving God's all about or they're doing it wrong or something. So um, anyway, I'm glad to be with you today. We have receive feedback from a lot of you. You've shared your comments and, and your perspectives on some things. And one of the things that people have asked about repeatedly over and over again is, uh, Brother Urshan, can you talk about dominion? Can you talk about blessing? And I, I get the sense that they're talking about finance. Most people, that's what comes into their mind. And, you know, I, I thought about that, and I thought, you know, let's talk about it a little bit. And, and if, you, if you go to some of the uh, sessions we've done, in particular the one with uh, Pastor Caleb Adams from Memphis, Tennessee, we get into some of that. But I'm, I'm happy to share with you what, what I see in the Scripture and what I have found works in my life and what I teach to my people. And I teach uh, in university settings when I'm, when I'm teaching uh, in, those, uh, in those settings. I, I believe very strongly that God's people are a blessed people. I've seen this come to pass in my life and in those that employ these principles. The, the Hebrew people were the first ones to receive this blessing. God introduced the idea of blessing to Abraham. And he told him, blessing, I will bless thee. And I will bless him that blesses thee. I will curse him that curses thee, and thee and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So God's vehicle for showing his favor and his grace upon a people is the blessing of the Lord. Now, when I say blessing, I know people want me to talk about finances because humans, oftentimes we are geared to think in terms of money or fiscal uh, a fiscal context or monetary context. How can I get more money? How can I plan for retirement? How can I better myself? And, and this all comes into play. Those are questions people ask themselves. But the blessing of the Lord is a much greater topic than just money. If you're chasing money, you're doing it wrong. God's people don't chase money. Money accrues to God's people. The blessing of the Lord comes upon them. And it, it's counterintuitive to secular society's way of seeing things. We give tithe and we give offering. We give the tenth 
And then we give offering up on top of that. And, and then we give to missions and we give to various things, building funds. And it's so funny because the moment you talk about finance or money, all the critics come out. They come out of the woodwork. And I'll talk about that here in just a second. But I guess I want to say at the outset here, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about blessing. I'm going to talk about financial blessing. I'm going to talk about um, familial blessing, the, fa- the family. God wants your family to be blessed. So blessing is a lot more than just money. It is, it is, first of all, salvation. It's the word of God. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's walking in the Spirit. And if you don't think that's a big deal, then you're not going to get the rest of what I'm saying. This is not a financial seminar. I'm not a financial advisor. But I am an advocate of blessing. I'm a recipient of blessing. And, and the truth is, I believe that when you are living for God and living your life right before God, in harmony and in tune with God, you will be blessed. And that includes your finances. I believe you should own your house. I believe you should own several houses. I believe you should own apartment complexes and businesses and and things of that nature. And if you don't know what that's all about, then I hope to help you. I hope to be a blessing to you today to help provide a, a framework that pulls people out of a poverty, a poverty mindset, a debt mindset, a barely making it week to week mindset into a prosperity and a blessing mindset. So what I'm going to talk about is not prosperity preaching that just God's going to make you a millionaire overnight. There are some people that when God gives them money, they accrue money or material possessions, they can't handle it, and they lose out with God. Well, That's not blessing. That's a curse. God doesn't give you blessing so that you can abuse it and walk away from him. God gives you blessing to be a steward and to further his kingdom. And money is just part of that. Money is just a tool. And so the idea of blessing has to do with family. It has to do with morality. It has to do with character. It has to do with building the kingdom, the resources, giving to kingdom-minded people to further the kingdom of God, to, to help preach the gospel throughout the whole world. And it's God's way of financing that and to, to provide for his people. So for a people who give a tenth of their income and then beyond that in offering, we are still exceeding and surpassing people who are who don't do that, who aren't involved in God's plan. And there's a lot of reasons for that, and we'll get into some of those. But I can't, I can't preach on tithe and offering or blessing without critics emerging. And I, I, here, I'm, I've been pastoring here in Durham, North Carolina, for about a year and a half now, and I've never preached on tithe and offering. So a couple weeks ago, I, I felt moved to, to help the people understand tithe and offering and to to grab a hold of the concept of giving and becoming a giver, not just in tithe and offering, but in every facet of their life. It's a powerful biblical concept that enriches a person exponentially. That video hadn't been on the internet for two hours, and somebody had a smart aleck comment to say. And so (laughs) I guess critics are just going to hate and they're going to talk. But um, the truth is I'm not ashamed of the giving. I thank God 
for givers. I have made up my mind I'm going to be a giver. And so that's probably a good idea to start right there. Let me talk about the nature of a giver, first of all, and the nature of blessing. All of the the metaphors in the scripture that deal with the unrighteous or the wicked or the or the sinful, it always types them and casts them and frames them as consumers. So the unrighteous are always made like unto pigs, dogs, um, you know, don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give holy things to, to, to people who don't appreciate them, just like you wouldn't give treasure to a pig. Um, if you've ever dealt with a boar, a male pig, you know they're vicious. They've got tusks, they've got teeth, and they will eat you. They will gobble you. Um, you get a big old boar coming after you, and you'll develop a prayer life real quick. Um, I, I, one time I had this idea that I was going to bike across the state of Florida from the West Coast to the East Coast. So I started in Fort Myers, Florida, and I, I was going to drive all the way over close to Lake Okeechobee. It was about 110 miles. And and the highway didn't have a way to do that, so I thought, I'm going to take back roads. And, and I did. I, I found back roads, and I took them, and boy, were they back roads. I, I, I'm on my bicycle. I've got a backpack. I've got a, uh, a carrier pack on the back of my my bike. And uh, it took me 14 hours. And it was a long trip. I couldn't hardly stand up when I got across there. I'd never biked over 100 miles before. But while I was back in the back country, um, I, I saw old abandoned cities and uh, drove through ghost towns and went through sugar mills. And um, I came to a place where I had to walk my bicycle. And I, I rounded a corner and, and the, the growth of the woods had come in around me. And I've got my bike, and I've got solar-powered stuff, so my electronics still work. And I'm walking my bike because it was, uh, back then in the backcountry, it was sugar sand. So there was no asphalt, there was no pavement. And there was a couple stretches there, a couple miles long, that I had to get off and walk my bike because the sugar sand, you can't ride in it. It's too unstable. So as I hiked my way through and I I walked my bike, I came upon a boar, a full-grown male boar, a sow, and piglets. And I mean, it was 15 feet away from me. And he looked at me and I looked at him and I thought, oh, Jesus in heaven, if you are listening to me right now, please help me. And there was this uh, canal between us. It was a, kind of a shallow canal. And it was filled with water and it didn't cross the canal by the grace of God. And I just prayed and just kept on walking. And so you're not supposed to give that which is holy to the, to the bestial and the, the carnal and the natural and, and the fallen. Because the Bible says they'll turn on you and they'll tear you up. I had to learn that lesson when I was younger. I actually gave things to people that didn't deserve them, thinking it would help them. But if you give something to somebody that has not earned it and does not understand it, they will turn on you. And they will not, they will not appreciate the blessing that you give to them. So you got to be careful who you give stuff to and who you work with. Anyway, that's another topic for another day. <clears throat> it types them as these scavengers or these carnivores. So the wicked are like lions or they're like wolves or, or they're like pigs or dogs um, and so forth. And the righteous are, are framed as sheep 
or bees or ants. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Like cows. And, and there's this difference between the kinds of animals that portray the righteous and the wicked. And you'll see that in the Bible, in that ancient agricultural um, husbandry society. The Bible uses the nature of those animals to teach the principles of the kingdom. And when the Bible says that God was going to take them to a land that flowed with milk and honey, what it was saying, wherever there is milk and there's honey, there's got to be cows and there's got to be bees. There's got to be cows and there's got to be bees. God was taking them from Egypt, which was a slavery mindset. That is a consumption mindset. That is a mindset where Pharaoh does everything for you. He feeds you. He clothes you. He houses you. He directs you. He orders you. You don't move without Pharaoh's approval, and that's what sin is like. You can't think for yourself. You are a slave to your circumstances. God was pulling them out of that slavery into a place that took them from being a consumer to a producer. So wherever there's cows and there's, or rather wherever there's milk and there's bees, there are cows and bees. Wherever there's milk and honey, that's it. There's cows and bees. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself here. In other words, God will make you a producer, not a consumer. And that is probably one of the foundational teachings of what God's people become as they grow into his purpose. When it talks about Satan, one of the titles of Satan is Beelzebub. And um, Beel is, it comes from the word Baal. It's the word Baal. And Baal was a generic title that meant Lord, um, a negative connotation for Lord. And it was used in idolatry, the Lord of this or the Lord of that, um, the Baal this and Baal that and Baal PR and Baal, in this case, Beelzebub. The Zebub was the fly. And literally, it meant the Lord of the flies. And, in, and that's actually a famous book that was written where where. You give people enough time and, and um, enough opportunity without God and without instruction, and they will degenerate. And the, the book, The Lord of the Flies, it's, a, you know, it's an old classic. You can read it. It's about boys that got shipwrecked, and, and um, they degenerated into tribal savagery. Well, the Lord of the Flies in the Old Testament was the God of corruption. It was the Lord of corruption, the Lord of consumption. And, and that's what everybody is that lives a life of poverty and corruption and, and slavery to forces that would, that would cause them to continually fall apart and break down. And, and, and Satan is the master of making people slaves. Whereas God is the God of, of creativity and life and giving. God is a giver. So when the righteous deal with the wicked, the Bible says that we are likened to our Father who causes the, the sun to shine and the rain to fall upon the just and the unjust. Some people think when the Bible talks about you know the rain falls on the just and the unjust, that God was trying to say that um, uh, good things, you know, even in bad circumstances, it falls on the on bad and good people. And they're kind of saying, well, it's raining and, and good it rains on good people too. And sometimes good people have a bad day. <laughs> That's not what it meant. Rain was a very good thing in an agricultural society. They prayed for rain, particularly in a desert, arid climate. And so 
what it meant was God gives. He gives rain and he gives he gives sun to to even the wicked, even the people who curse him. God's nature is to give, it is not to destroy. Satan is the thief who comes to steal, to kill and to destroy, not God. So God is a God of giving and his children are givers. That is why we turn the other cheek. That is why we go the extra mile. If they ask you to go a mile, go twain. If they take your cloak, give them your garment. If they take your garment, give them your cloak also. Um, if they curse you, bless them. Do good to them that persecute you and say all manner of evil against you uh, for the sake of the kingdom. All of that is be- it's not because you're Mr. Nice Guy and you're supposed to get beat up for being a nice guy. It doesn't mean Christians finish last. It means God is a giver, and because he is, you are too, and I am too. We're givers. We are not flies. We are bees. We are not lions that consume. We are sheep. And that is why when Samson killed the lion and the lion roared against him, Spirit of God comes on him, Samson Samson kills the lion, later on they find honey in the carcass. And the riddle is, out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. The lion being destroyed is an example of the Spirit of God coming upon upon a person, and they overcome the ferocity and the bestial nature of fallen humanity. The lion is an example of Satan. He's the roaring lion, walking to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. He's the devouring influence. And that's what tithing and offering is all about when, he re, when God will rebuke the devourer. When you become a giver and you become a provider rather than a consumer, you are killing the lion. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon you. You kill your flesh. You crucify your flesh. You kill Satan's work in your life. And out of the eater comes forth meat, and out of the strong comes forth sweetness. And that's bees, that's cows, rather than lions and pigs and flies. So that's the baseline for blessing. God's going to turn you into a, a giver. And that doesn't just mean money. I want to give affection to my wife. I want to give attention to my children. I want to give to the people around me. When I'm with people, I want to make things better. I want to leave a place better than what I found it. You know, uh, there is a, a rabbinical teaching that when David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, it was talking about the terraforming effects that sheep have on a pasture, that when, when the sheep leave the pasture because they drop uh, their waste and it fertilizes the field and they graze the field, they get rid of the weeds, they, they take something from disorder to order and from chaos into order. And when they leave the field, goodness and mercy follow. It's more lush. It's more verdant. It's more, there's more growth. There's more, more potential there. I want to leave a place better than what I found it. And that happens when you're a giver. People are happy to see you come, and they're sorry to see you go. That is how a child of God is supposed to operate in every facet of their life. So your husband should know that you're a giver. Your wife should should love the fact that you're a Christian. And if you're living a double life, if you're living one way at church and then you go home and you're you're sour and you're you're angry and you're bitter, you're not doing that right. You've got to find that giving nature to where everything you touch is blessed. It's the Joseph effect. If you're in Potiphar's house, even when you're falsely accused, you keep on blessing. And when you are in prison, 
you rise to the top of that prison. The sons of God, the daughters of God are a blessed people and blessings should permeate every facet of our lives. So that's, that's the baseline of what I'm describing is the blessing of the Lord that comes upon you. Sunshine, rain. You know, there's a reason why people ran toward Jesus, not from him. There's a reason he had to get into the boat and push off from the shore because the crowds thronged him. I want to give and give and give. And, and as I do that, God replenishes and God gives to me and you become a conduit of blessing and giving. So that that is the idea that, that tithe and offering is meant to foster. God is saying, I want you to become a giver rather than a consumer. Instead of hoarding every dollar, instead of trying to hold on to everything. And don't don't make any mistake about it. The devil has tithe and offering too. He collects his tithe and offering through addiction, through drugs and through porn and through alcohol and through illicit drugs and over-the-counter drugs and the bail system and the criminal justice system. Oh, you give to the devil. You give to the things that you love. That When you serve God, you just give it to a cause that is going to build and to to bring his kingdom into the earth and to heal and to deliver. And, and the world tries very hard to paint the giving of God's people as a craven, wicked thing. Like, like all preachers want is money, and, and a real preacher is not that way. And, and true people of God, they value the giving nature of the kingdom. So that's how blessing operates. Now, I, I believe that there's Christians who don't understand this. They have an unhealthy, toxic relationship to money. Um, and the Jews have a good perspective on this in, in a lot of ways. They understand that money is a reflection of the person. Some people misquote the scripture. They say that money is the root of all evil, and, and you probably know that's not what it says. It's, it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And sometimes we focus on that love of money part, but, but I'll point out, the root of all evil part. When you, when you start dealing with money in your life, you're dealing with who you are. You're dealing with the choices you've made. You're dealing with impulse buying or, or in, a, in a positive way, maybe you're dealing with savings and you're dealing with investments. But it will reveal who and what you are. It will reveal your appetites and your desires and it will reveal your sacrifice and your wisdom. It will show who you are. Where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. So if you value good things and you're fiscally responsible and you take money and you give to the kingdom of God and you give into a savings account, an investment account, you make wise decisions, um, the Lord blesses you. Now, not only financially, but you're a giver, so you, you are now honest. You do what you say you'll do. You are responsible. You show up when you say you're going to show up. You are the first to show up. You're the last to leave. If you operate your life that way, God will bless you. You will outcompete everybody else in your life. You'll outcompete the weekend warriors, the people who are partying and just trying to get a paycheck, people that give a, the bare minimum of effort, people that don't try to better themselves. You'll outcompete everybody. And just like Joseph, you'll rise to the top of whatever you're in. God's people should rise to the top of every circumstance that they find themselves in even in the face of false accusation, in the face of prison, just like Joseph. Whatever circumstance you find yourself in, um, family relationships, difficult times, bad health, 
giving should always characterize who and what we are. So, so money represents our decisions. It represents our creativity. It represents where we've put our time. Are we lazy? Do we sleep all day? Or are we industrious? Do we get up? Do we plan? Do we monitor our spending habits? Do we, um, do we blow everything the moment we get our paycheck? So all of that will be a reflection of who you are, of who I am. And one of the great evidences that there's a God is that when you give tithe and offering, you will increase above everybody else. And so the guy who's out partying on the weekend and, and trying to waste his life, the child of God will outproduce them because of the blessing of the Lord. And it's one of the greatest evidences that there is a God. God actually says, prove me, prove me now, and I'll open up a window of heaven and I'll pour you out a blessing that you can't contain. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. So, so many Christians don't understand that. The root of all evil is tied to the love of money. The love of money will reveal what your choices and decisions are. So the love of money is the root of all evil. Literally, it means it's the root of murder and hatred and racism and exploitation and, and all the violent crimes and all the theft crimes and the idolatrous practices. Money is the root of all evil. So when I preach on money, I'm not just pulling on a person's financial habits. I'm pulling on all evil. And boy, people get, they tighten up when you talk to them about money because you're touching the core of who they are. And if you can grapple with that and overcome it and get dominion over your own will and spirit and fallen nature and give it to God and become a giver instead of a consumer, God will bless you. He will open up the windows of heaven over you and he will bless you and he'll bless your children. And that blessing encompasses finance, but it also, it, it, it's, it's health, it's opportunity, it's relationships. People will trust you. People will love you. People will want to be in your presence. People will thank God that you came into their life and, and you made their life better. I believe we should make everybody's life better. Um, I'm not here to, I don't have any sad stories to talk about. God has been good to me. And, and if you'll live for God, he'll be good to you too. <laughs> so when you become a giver, it encompasses all this. Now that's a theological basis. That's that's the foundation of what I'm talking about. Let's get into some practical things. There was a time in my life when I was younger when I didn't understand all these concepts and I trusted people to lead me and show me. There, there was one elder in particular that was in my life that I trusted that hurt me. They, they betrayed my confidence and they stole a great sum from me. I thought it was the end of the world. I thought it was, it was the end of, of my life. And the Bible shows people in that exact position. David had a Saul in his life. Jacob had a Laban in his life. Uh, Abraham had Abimelech in his life. There will be people in your life that let you down, that that hurt you, that betray you. And I had that I had a similar experience in my life, and, and it was a difficult time. And people that find themselves in those circumstances, they can, they've got choices they can make. 
they can say, that's it. I'm giving up on God. I'm walking away from God. I guess blessing doesn't work. I guess God forgot about me. How could this happen? But the God of blessing, um, you know, the, the scripture calls him the Lord of Sabaoth, which literally means the Lord of hosts. And it means the God of, of great numbers, but it means more than that. It means the God who takes small things to great numbers. And so when that happened in my life, it hurt me. It, it took away a lot of my work and energy that I had, I had fought for and bled for. God led me to the, some of the most amazing people in my life that helped me understand blessing in a way that I never had before. And I learned. And in a couple of short years, God changed everything and opened up the windows of heaven over the top of me and my family and gave us, restored everything back that had been taken and far more to the point that I was stunned at the blessing of the Lord. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And here's one of the things that happened. Now, I encourage anybody that's pursuing blessing, I encourage you to get your education. Education is a great vehicle for blessing. Um, God will bless what you have and what you bring. If you've got five loaves and two, two fish, he can multiply it to feed multitudes. And the more you have, the more there is for God to work with to bless. I believe in education. So I, I went to school, I got an undergrad, I got postgrad degrees, and I am soon to be working on furthering that. Education is a great opportunity. Um, working hard, being promoted at a job is a great opportunity. God can bless you through that. He can bless you through any set of circumstances. I believe that God wants you to be an owner. God wants you to own your home. God wants you to own a business. God wants you to understand the difference between a liability and an asset. And I'll explain what I mean. I'm, I'm shocked at the people who don't understand the difference between the two. Um, the Jews teach, rabbis teach, and, and people with, with business acumen and financial awareness, they, they teach that your money is a reflection of who you are and your choices. So it's, we are inundated with these ideas that money is bad or you can't talk about it or if you are a business person, you're bad. Or if you talk about what increase that you have been given by God that you should be ashamed of it, like there's something evil about it. But the Bible actually says that the guy who was talking about money and trying to, to pull people away from money or handle money was Judas. And the Bible says he was a thief and he didn't care for the poor. It's because he was a thief. And there's nothing to be ashamed of, ashamed of when it comes to dealing with money and, and working with the medium that God has given to us. Money is simply a means to an end. And um, one of the greatest things I learned was the difference between a liability and an asset. Very simply, a liability is something that takes from you, and an asset is something that brings to you. And how you deal with a liability and an asset can mean all the difference between failure and success. So a lot of people, one of the biggest purchases they'll ever make in their life is their house. If they, if they uh, decide to get a loan, 
they they they're going to live in a home. They get their little picket fence, white picket fence. They get their you know three bedroom, two bath house, and their two point five kids, and their their dog named Spot, and and they get two cars, and and they 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 feel that that's a great investment. It's actually not a great investment. It's good in terms of having a home and family and a place to come, and all of that is you can build a life around that. And thank God for that. And I believe in home ownership, but but it's technically a liability because it's taking from you in the form of taxes and maintenance and upkeep. It's taking from you. It's not putting into you. Now, if you take that exact same house and you rent that house, then it changes from a liability to an asset. Same house, different set of circumstances. Now you rent it out and money is coming towards you instead of away from you. And I didn't know the difference between that as a younger man. And so one of the greatest things I did was to buy another house. And I bought it well. I bought it distressed. Um, we worked on it. My sons and I, we, um, we, we built, we remodeled, we hired workers to come in. We, we redid plumbing. We fixed things. And then we rented it out. And then we went and bought another one and another one. And we kept compiling assets. And we'd, we'd, the rent would come in. And, and the more rent that comes in, the more you have to purchase another one. Well, the more you do that and the more you build a, uh, an asset sheet, a balance sheet, maybe you buy a small quadplex or a small apartment complex, you are building a portfolio of real estate that, um, that brings income to you. That is a bee. That is a cow. That is producing honey. That is producing milk. It's not taking away. It is adding to. That is the land that flows with milk and honey. People trust you because you're honest. You provide a good product. You have stable relationships with people over long periods of time. That's something to consider. If you want to know if a person is honest or not, find out how relationships are in their life over a long period of time. Do they have a lot of long-term relationships or are they always burning bridges? Are they always having to make new friends because nobody trusts them and they leave a trail of dead bodies behind them? Or maybe not literally, but... Hopefully not literally, <laughs> but maybe metaphorically. They just leave a trail of carnage and chaos behind them. Um, if that's the case, if everybody's always wrong and they're always right and they're always into a fight every other week, be careful. You might be dealing with a locust or a, or a fly. You might not be dealing with a bee or a cow. I want to be a bee. I want to produce something, and I want people to be able to come in and be blessed by it. So... We got into that. We got into real estate development. And in a few short years, God just opened up the windows of heaven over the top of us. And that's how we did it. And anybody can do that. You you can do this. Um, I, I'm, I want to make sure I, I deal with some of the questions that you guys give to us. People want specific examples. So I'm going to give you a couple specific examples that a person can do very simply. Now, this is, you know, if education is your thing, you can do that, uh, and, and you'll be blessed. Um, working hard, you don't have to have an education. You can be faithful to a job, work your way up, get some certificates. You can, you can do that over a long period of time, and, and you can be blessed that way. A lot of good people do that. I like investments. I like real estate. I like, I like, um, I like ownership. And, and building things. There's something very gratifying and satisfying about that. My friends do that. My sons do that. Um, 
One simple example I can give you that anybody can do, you can do this. I have helped coach people through this. A young couple, or maybe a single person, I've seen single people do this, they can buy a small house. They go out and they get a little loan. Um, You could even buy a distressed house, a house that needs work done, and you can get what they call sweat equity. You can get a house that doesn't have good landscaping, the yards tore up. If you're handy, you can patch a roof, you can paint, you can you can really real estate is probably one of the fastest ways to grow capital and to help grow a portfolio. Real estate is just powerful. You can leverage it. You it, it goes up in value if you buy it right. You can buy distressed properties and you can put sweat equity in and you can really increase. It's faster than savings. It's faster than any other form that I know of, unless you just happen to buy right at the stock market or something like that. Um, so any couple can buy a, a small house. They could live in that house, maybe a, st- a starter home, and they fix the, the place up. They, they buy something that might be below market value. Maybe they buy a foreclosure. I like to buy foreclosures. I like to buy things that are that are uh, under the market value because you don't make money in the selling of the house usually. You usually make it in the buying on the front end. Buy it right. If you buy it wrong with bad terms, then you're always trying to pay, play catch up, and that can be hard. So you can buy a little house, work on it. Once you've fixed it up, it now has far more value. The curb appeal is greater. Maybe you you remodel things, maybe you put up some drywall, maybe you add some things to it, just make it really pretty and nice. It's possible that in a couple of years, you could have far more value in that home than what you had going into it. Maybe the market goes up where you're at. Maybe you just pay on it for five or 10 years. I mean, it can be as simple as just paying your mortgage. And, and when you're doing that, pay a little extra so that you knock out interest and you pay down the principal. And if you don't know the difference between principal and interest, then it, it, you would do yourself um, a great service by, by Googling that, reading up on that, because too many apostolics don't know what principal and interest are, and, and they lose a lot of their hard-earned income because of that. But you pay down the note, and, and you create equity in that home. And equity is the value that you have in that home. It's the money that you have in that home. Well, once you've done that, and you have a lot of value in that home, you can turn around and go out and you can buy another home. You can get a loan from a bank or you can save your money. Um, You work hard. You control your spending habits. You can go out and buy a bigger house and you can leverage that smaller house or create a down payment um, just by savings, however you want to do it. And you buy a bigger house. Now, maybe you got some kids, you got a dog, you want a bigger place, you want to stretch out. You, you could sell that house for a nice profit, or I like to keep that house and rent it. Um, rent it out and let it continue. It's an asset. So I don't like to sell my, my assets. I like to cultivate my assets. And it keeps on selling, or rather it keeps on providing. And the rent comes in, and that rent pays my new mortgage. And, and it helps with that. Well, if you do that a few times, you can create a nice real estate portfolio that, and anybody can do it. Anybody can do that. It's a simple way to allow real estate to work for you. And a lot of people have done it and it has blessed them. And you become an owner instead of a renter. You become the head instead of the tail. If you are renting, sometimes renting works as a part-time solution, but don't do it long-term. Don't spend your whole life 
paying someone else and, and enriching somebody else. Let God bless you. Let, take responsibility of your life and become a producer and an owner. Now, another uh, way that you can create uh, dominion and blessing, financial dominion in your life, this last uh, real estate crash with COVID, people cried about it, people wailed about it, and, and a poverty mindset thinks a certain way. It, 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 poverty is captive to its environment. It's people that are bound by a poverty mindset. They are slaves to the environment around them. Whereas people who are producers recognize opportunities when they come. I didn't cry when the COVID uh, pandemic hit. When the stock market crashed, I ran in and snapped up stocks. And so that's a difference between people with a, a blessing mindset versus a poverty mindset. When things go bad, they're running for the hills with their hair on fire. They're afraid. They're scared. And, and when things plummet, they panic. Whereas people with a blessing mindset, a wealth mindset, they run in when the house is on fire. They, they see the opportunity that there are corporations and there are businesses that are severely impacted by this. These are now at a very steep discount, and this is the time to run in. That works in real estate too, by the way. If there's a real estate crash, that's the time to buy, not the time to lose your mind. Don't sell in a crash. Hang on. And if, you've, if you save up your money and it crashes, run in and buy because the economy that you're in in the United States is one of the blessed, most blessed economies there's ever been in the world and there's great opportunity there. So don't lose your shirt. Don't sell out in a panic. Run in and realize this is an opportunity, and it works in the stock market and in real estate. Well, one year later, those stocks are back, and they're higher than they've ever been, and people that ran in and bought created great wealth. So so those, those challenges are actually opportunities in disguise. So remember that. A third thing that anybody can do is you can start a business. Let's say you're a young man. Say you're a teenager or young adult, and you start a pressure washing business. You can, you can go to Home Advisors or some other website-based deal, and that gives you leads. You can get a little trailer, a pressure washing thing. Maybe you pressure wash, wash decks. Maybe you seal decks. Maybe you do odd jobs. You can build a clientele. You can... Uh, wash cars. You can, I'm just talking about a very basic entry-level business. You can do that. You can develop repeat clients. You can create a client database. Diligence and hard work and effort and a good quality will give you repeat customers. People like to work with dependable people, and they like how you make them feel. So be kind to them. This is a place for God's people to shine. Um, dress nice. Come disciplined. Come prepared. Create a nice website. And, and just really separate yourself from everybody around you and with quality and excellence and professionalism. And you can be 18 years old and you can do this. Or maybe a lawn care company or just some kind of entry-level thing. Build it for five or 10 years. Build up a client database of 50 clients that you service every single month. And maybe it brings in fifty dollars to $100,000 a year. You know, you could turn around and sell that business for $100,000, $150,000 to somebody you've got trailers, you've got lawnmowers, you've got pressure washers, you've got maybe you got a couple crews running. Turn around and sell it or hang on to it, have somebody manage it while you go start another business. And but you, you you could sell that business and turn around and do it all over again and get a lump sum. These are things anybody can do that 
that the blessing of the Lord, the promises of Abraham, and and financial dominion can be expressed through this. And this is these are just financial ideas that people have done. And I'm sure you have a thousand ideas out there that you've seen people do successfully. Uh, I've seen people start uh, cleaning businesses. We just have a we had a young man who just started a cleaning business. He just sent out um, cold turkey emails to people, like several hundred of them that he got off Google. And in doing so, um, he found a, a company that wanted uh, a large apartment complex serviced, and he got the contract. And he's never cleaned or had a cleaning business in his life, but because people don't want to work and people are getting paychecks to stay home right now, he has an opportunity to employ people and to start a business, and he's jumping in with with both feet, and God's going to bless him. So there are opportunities that sons and daughters of God can can leverage and can work into. This involves real estate. It involves education. It involves promotion. But honesty, integrity, hard work, perseverance, kindness, grace, um, uh, patience, all of these things are traits that should elevate you as a child of God. And God wants to bless you. It is his good pleasure to bless you. And if you will put that time in, you will eat the fruit of the land that God gives to you. You will come to the land that flows with milk and honey, and you'll you'll find that there's a lot of bees there. There's a lot of cows that produce that milk and produce that honey. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. That's the promise of God's word. It's the promise to Abraham's sons and daughters. So get your education. Go own a business. Go invest. Do it wisely. And... Um, it's, these are principles we teach here at First Pentecostal Church in Durham. And several of my friends, they teach it at their church. Not only are we teaching people Acts 2.38, but we're teaching them how to prosper and to grow in the kingdom of God. So um, if you have other questions, I'm, I'm happy to take them and please send them in. We like to hear from you. And, and we're, we're going to keep on growing together by the grace of God. Hopefully this can be a blessing to you or somebody you know and you love. So we appreciate you. We're glad that you could be with us today. I'm actually getting ready to run over to a service. Uh, some dear friends of mine are having a special service tonight, so i got to cut this one short, guys. But I, I appreciate you. I'm praying for you. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. God bless you.